Good morning. I really appreciate the invitation to share God's word with you today. It means a lot to me. Um, just as way of information, uh, John and I married back in 1989. Um, he recently, well, as of March the 1st, will officially retire from United Airlines, and I was retired a couple of um, years ago. And I will tell you that God's timing is perfect. I had just finished my seminary degree and had gone for graduation. Hurricane Harvey hit in Houston, and I was called in after we could get back in the office and was told I was laid off. And my boss said, why are you so happy? And I said, because I know it's God's timing. It was just perfect. So I appreciate it, and moving here, Moving back to Hardeman County is, uh, a, for John, a joy, and for me, a new adventure. And I'm looking forward to getting to know a lot of people that I don't already know. So um, if you would, bear with me. I will start off with some Old Testament readings. And before I get started, um, I think I need to pay LaDonna. She gave my sermon today. Uh, and the children's sermon. So you're going to see some similarities. What God has no... You know, with God, everything is perfect. It, there's no accident. So anyway, I just want you to hear that the same thread that she had will be in my sermon. The first Testament, uh, Old Testament reading comes from Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 11 through 13. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. My second selected reading is from the book of Psalms. It's Psalm number 139. <clears throat> for you formed my inward parts. <clears throat> you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give, you, give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. I selected for our gospel reading from the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10. Many of you probably are very familiar with this verse. The thief, the evil one, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and may have it abundantly. <clears throat> Would you please pray with me? Lord God, you have given us life. You have created us to be your people. You know us at our very core. You alone understand what makes us tick. Use these words from my mouth as your words. Touch our hearts of, with open ears in this place here today. In the wonderful name of your son, Jesus, amen. So who do you think knows you best? Perhaps your mom, your dad, your best friend, a spouse, maybe a spiritual confidant. Even those of us who claim, I'm not one of them necessarily, to be an open book, keep secrets, and we seek to hide those parts of us that we really don't want others to see. We don't want others to know our bad decisions or those dark places or those bad thoughts. We keep these secrets sometimes even from ourselves. From the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah reminds us <clears throat> in, verse, in chapter 31 
The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. So how are you drawn? There's been many successful books and movies and even comic strips written about relationships and friendships. I know many of you are familiar with the comic strip written by Charles Schultz. It was called Peanuts. It's all about the interactions of a group of young children with each other and sometimes some interactions with adults. It is about a dog with a very wild imagination and a bird who uses a typewriter. Snoopy, Charlie Brown, Linus, Lucy, and all the others became, remain, became part of our families and remain there through com the comic strip and the holiday movies and the other specials. Maybe you can identify with one of these particular Peanuts characters. Charles Schultz created and drew each of them with all their unique peculiarities and their flaws, and so they became real to us. He drew each hair on each of their heads. He knew them very well. Did you know that the first peanut strip appeared on October 2nd, 1950? It appeared in the United States. It was only four panels long. It showed Charlie Brown walking with two other young children, Shermie and Patty. In the first frame, Shermie is seen praising good old Charlie Brown, talking about what great friends they are, what a good guy he is. But by the time you get to the last frame, Shermie tells Patty how much he really dislikes Charlie Brown. Probably some dis, you know, just unhappiness with how maybe popular or something that Charlie had going on. But this was truly groundbreaking because until then, rarely had children expressed their feelings in verbally or especially in a comic strip. But Schultz brought this depth into these characters from the very beginning. I think we best remember Charlie Brown and all the Peanuts gang and our collective memories and the hearts for joy that they found in interacting with each other. They created Christmas plays, played schoolyard football and baseball, and searched for the great pumpkin. And who can forget what happened every time Charlie Brown tried to kick the football? Yes, Lucy had him landing flat on his back. And what about Lucy's muses? What about her grand, how grand life was going to be? Her little psychiatrist booth for five cents a session, you remember that? You could walk up there. It reminds us kind of of those lemonade stands that we had as children and still have today. And how many of us can relate to the voices of the adults of the lives of their children? Do you remember what it sounded like? Wah, 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 wah. How often times do we relate to other people by tuning them out or hearing that wah sound? We continue to watch these heartwarming movies because they've touched our lives with simplicity. It's a storyline that's as honesty of the characters. Yes, Charles Schultz knew his characters, their strengths, their weaknesses, their individual quirks, and what made them appeal to every reading audience. Like God, in a sense, Charles Schultz did know every hair on each of his characters' heads. He created them to be who they were. He drew them out for each weekly edition. He carefully groomed 
Charlie Brown, Linus, Lucy, Schroeder, Peppermint Patty, Sally, and the others into the characters that we know and love. He developed their personalities and recorded for us their interactions in ways that brought more to the story than what was on the surface. He brought them to life as they were impacted by certain events in their lives, and he saw them, we saw them in subtle transformation. Remember the story of Charlie Brown and the little Christmas tree? Remember how the story trans, transpired and went on? In those little snippets of life is when we learn more about ourselves too. As we read the comic strip or watch the TV specials, they never seem to fade with time. Most of those were made back in the 60s and they're still very pertinent and relevant in today. God reminds us throughout his word scripture that he has created us, that he has a perfect plan for our lives and that he will never forsake us. God's love manifests itself in creation of every one of us. He formed us in our mother's womb with his plan for our lives. We are who we are by design. It's not by mistake. He is with us always. In Isaiah 43, the prophet reminds us that those who were sent into exile in Babylonia were far from their homeland, but that they were still his people. I like the way that Eugene Peterson's um, translation called the message, phrased it this way. But now God's message, the God who made you in the first place, don't be afraid. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And in verse 7, it goes on to say, we were created for his glory, and yet we are personally formed and uniquely made by the creator. As our beginning scripture reading from the prophet Jeremiah reminded us, and it's reminded those as well in captivity, his plans for their lives, his plan for our lives, is greater than one that we could ever imagine for ourselves or that they could imagine for themselves. Yes, God knows every hair on your head and my head. He knows all of our quirks. He knows our temperaments. He knows our gifts, our faults, and yet he directs our ways. Sometimes God is not so subtle in getting our attention. Like Lucy lifting that football so that Charlie Brown could land flat on his back, that's not so subtle. But at other times, his revelation to us may be more subtle, like an unanswered prayer or a gift unexpected. Do you remember in the scene in Charlie Brown's Christmas when Linus is telling the story of Jesus' birth as told to us in Luke? I don't know if you remember, he had his security blanket with him when he walked out on the stage. But when he got to the part that said, fear not, what the angels had told him, fear not, he released that blanket. He released his security, his comfort zone. It is a subtle affirmation of trusting God and it was masterfully crafted into that movie. In the last uh, two and a half years, I've been blessed with a great gift of finding my family of origin. I was adopted as an infant. Um, at the time, it was closed adoptions in the state of Louisiana, so I had no idea where my genetic heritage had come from, but I had the best parents that anyone could have asked for. They were the greatest gift in my life besides my relationship with Jesus. 
It's been a life full of growth experiences, peaks and valleys, very rich. But mostly God has revealed to me just how perfect his plan is for my life. Through the evolution of genetic science and Ancestry.com, I connected up with my family of origin in 2017. I um, found out through my genetic mother, who's still alive, uh, who my birth father was. And um, at the time that she gave birth to me, she was 16 years old. But I knew that God had a perfect plan for me. Now I can see it because my parents had tried for seven years to have a baby and could not, so they wanted a baby. So I know that God's plan was set in motion well before I was formed in my birth mother's womb. And from the beginning, he, he placed me in the best place for my life in the most love-filled home I could have been in. I was reared in a stable environment where God and Jesus were there. Jesus was always invited at our table. My life was centered on family, church, school, and close friends. Lots of time, lots of fun time, lots of celebration, and love was truly the key. Okay, fast forward now, I'm 66 years old. I'm still in the process of connecting with a lot of my birth family. Um, as I meet cousins and uncles and siblings, um, I've received confirmation over and over that I am blessed. I am blessed and that God had a plan for my life. Um, I also found out that I have four brothers through my birth father and two of them are ordained Baptist preachers. I will tell you, God has a sense of humor. He does have a sense of humor. Um, he knows, I know that he has truly formed me. He planned for me to be who I am. He has constantly affirmed that he is truly in control of my life. Sometimes I wasn't really happy about it, but I did find out that God is in control and the results turned out better than I could have ever expected. He knows every hair on my head and continues to develop my character as God reminds me whose I am. So we've gone forward and I've met more, more family. Um, I've met the um, woman, the lady who was married to my birth father for 55 years. Um, he died in 2010, so I didn't have the opportunity to meet him. But she said that I've been a gift in her life this late in her life. So I tell you, God does have many blessings he brings our way. And the love continues to grow. God's great message of love is that there is no other human on earth like you or like me. You are one of a kind. The hairs on your head are like no others. And God has a perfect plan for your life. He's coded your talents right into your genes. You are special. God created you for communion and fellowship with him. Beginning with the creation story, the Bible is filled with a variety of characters, people uniquely created by God for a specific purpose with peculiar or particular gifts. Sometimes we resist those gifts, don't we? We don't think we want to use those talents that God has imprinted on us. Remember Moses? He had an encounter with God and was selected by God to lead his people out of slavery, out of Egypt. But Moses did not have the gift of public speaking. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, he begged God to allow his brother Aaron 
to be his spokesperson and to be his confidant, and God granted that wish. God listened and provided a way for Moses to lead with Aaron there at his side. Do you remember King David? He developed from a boy tending sheep into a warrior and a king. He became the shepherd for the kingdom of Israel and represented a unique period of history in which all Hebrews came together under one kingdom with the center of uh, the temple there being in Jerusalem. Yes, David was flawed, just as we are, but he opened his heart, his weaknesses, his failures, joy and praise to God. How often are we comforted when we read the Psalms? We read those parts of David pouring himself into scripture. Also to remember the women in whom God granted the ability to bear children late in life. God understood Sarah and her doubt as she laughed at the prospect of having a child at a very late stage. God blessed Hannah and her desire for her son to serve God by giving her Samuel. God looked deep into the heart of a young Jewish girl who was engaged to a carpenter. She was from a rough city, and yet she was chosen by God to bear his only son. God created them each uniquely to serve him. He knew every hair on each of their heads. He developed their personalities and designed them for his purpose. Oftentimes we get this message twisted in our own minds. Like many of our ancestors, even some who are close to God, even like David, it's not about who we want to be, it's about who God designed us to be. We try to twist and change who we're intended to be and maybe look at a different goal and God changes us. He says, no, that's not acceptable. Look at Abraham. He doubted God's plan for his life to be the father of all generations. Jacob, who stole his brother's birthright. And Peter, who said he would never deny Christ. God used them all to change the world as God intended. And God is creative. He's not into replication when it comes into humankind. He said, I praise you. This is what David said. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And in his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul pleads with us to give ourselves as a living sacrifice, not as a copycat of another or a cookie-cutter version of our parents or grandparents or ancestors, but as a new and different character with a fresh newness in all that you think and all that you do. Your talents are specific to you. You are who God says you are, loved, special, created with a purpose, empowered, and chosen. Our lives are filled with discoveries of how we're to use these talents in his service with our neighbors. Many times it's like peeling an onion. Think about it, and other times it's in a radical fashion. From my own experience, I've seen God transform some of my talents and combine them with life experiences to create new beginnings. For me, this process has been an ongoing work in process. I've taken on and trusted God as I've worked 38 years in the oil and gas industry, and during that time, I um, attended seminary for for 17 years. 
Uh, some of my friends said that's a record. Um, <laughs> but it was because I was working and I knew that I couldn't devote full-time studies. And I know that God's planning and timing is perfect, like I told you with what happened when I was retired. It is also so important to remember in God's eyes, we're all equal. No one, no individual with his or own unique talents is greater than any other in God's eyes. Paul warns us to be honest about our own estimations of ourselves as it is stated in the Living Bible. Measuring your value by how much faith God has given you, trusting God that when all material things are gone, that he is in control. Unfortunately, the rich man in the passage of Mark, if you remember that, just could not let go of what he held on to, what he had earned. He did not fully trust that God was going to take his best interests at heart. Importantly, too, we are designed to work in community and love with each other. Just as our bodies have many parts working together, so it is with members of the body of Christ, his church. Apostle Paul reminds us we are all parts of it, and it takes every one of us to make it complete, for we have different work to do. So we belong to each other, and each needs all the others. We were designed to complement each other, just like Snoopy without Woodstock would just spend a dog without a companion for his wild imagination. So how do we connect with God? How do we discover what it is that God intends for us to do, for both large and small things? I believe first it is through constant two-way communication with him. Through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, that door was opened for us to have this relationship with our Father God. Not only do we get to talk to God through prayer, praise, confession, devotion, we also get to hear from God. In those quiet moments, by the actions and the words of others, but most importantly, through the study of his word, the Bible, and through his revelation in our eyes. Perhaps one of the best examples for life is a palm tree. Don't see many palm trees out here, up here, but I'm sure a lot of you have been to the Gulf Coast or seen them on TV. Seeing pictures of these palm trees back when Hurricane Michael hit and also when the, that storm that decimated the Bahamas reminded me of the resilience of palm trees. Living formerly on the Gulf Coast, we saw a lot of them, and finally we actually planted one in our yard. But I believe there's lessons to be learned from the palm tree for living the life Christ wants for us. First of all, be flexible. Palm trees survive the winds and the storms of hurricanes because they are flexible. You see, palm trees are not really made of wood. They're made of a spongy tissue that is more bendable. And it's a great reminder that we're not to be hard-hearted, not to be stubborn during those storms of our lives. Secondly, be resilient. I read that palm trees are the most robust of trees and is believed that storms strengthen their root systems. Researchers found this when they placed a bunch of trees in one of those biodomes. They gave them air, water, soil, filtered lights, and they said, oh, this is perfect conditions, right? Well, they found out not really because Without the wind, there was no resistance to grow, and what happened? The trees toppled over. They didn't learn to make that resistance. 
Trees needed the wind to blow against them, causing their root systems to grow deeper, which provided strength and support for long life. How often do we face those storms, those headwinds that we need to push against so that our roots grow deeper? Palm trees grow with a strong root system that provides them to bounce back. Um, normally, you know, dur during the, the storm season, you'll see them and they will lose their fronds or they'll look like they're just ready to die, but they keep growing. Growing deep in the word of God, spending time with Jesus, modeling our lives after Jesus, serving and loving others as God does, that's what gives us strong roots. Third, be hopeful. Palms grow differently than other trees because they only have one terminal bud. If that bud is not damaged, and they don't lose all, then even if they lose their fronds, they will survive. It may take time, but the fronds will grow back. Even if the tree appears dead, stripped of all of its leaves, life goes on. It gives us hope. This gives us hope during those dry and difficult times of loss and tragedy. From our personal experience, we had that little palm tree in our backyard, and it was frozen back in the winter of 2014. We don't get the cold weather that we get up here. But we did see this stick coming out of the ground, and apparently its core was not damaged. The bud survived. I have to tell you that tree is now more than 20 feet tall. Fourth, be who God created you to be. In Psalm 139, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You are unique. Most trees grow with a beautiful canopy of branches with leaves that spread out and collect the sunlight and the rain. These branches provide fruit and homes for birds and squirrels. But in bad storms, especially like full force winds, a lot of those branches are torn off, maybe even uproot the whole tree. We can see those pictures vividly in our minds as we recall storm damage. Palms, like orchids, grow in one single shoot. And guess what? They only look up. They don't spread out. They're just looking forward and looking up. It's a symbol to me of keeping our eyes only on God, not letting what's around us disturb us and distract us. From Proverbs 3, 5, in the message, I like the way he says it here, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything in, on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your wine vats will brim over. But don't, dear friend, resent God's discipline. Don't sulk under his loving correction. It's the child he loves that God corrects. A father's delight is behind all this. Also, too, one last factor, those fronds on the palms that I talked about, they actually will fold up during a storm. How often do we do that when we face troubles? And that's really what prayer is about, when we fold up those things that are concerning us in life, and then we come back and we pray to God for our, his intervention in giving us strength. 
When we call upon the Lord, he hears our voice. Also, too, prawns tend to be, I mean, palms tend to be self-cleaning. They know when to shed their dead fronds, reminding us that occasionally we need to prune some of the things in our lives that no longer need, we no longer need. Yesterday, John and I pulled a lot of weeds around the fence line at our place, and I was reminded, especially during the dead season of winter, how important it is to pull out those things that we don't know that disrupt our life and how nice and clean it is so that God can come in and enrich our lives when we get rid of the trash in our lives. And it can be big things and little things, but how wonderful that that may be. The fifth thing is to be welcoming. Researchers have found that palm trees that grow together with other palms survive storms with less damage than those who grow by themselves. Imagine that. God created us, all of us, for community. And as challenging as that can be at times, we do thrive better together. Last, be deep. Dig deep into God like a palm tree. Palms spread their roots in great distances, broad and deep creating that firm foundation. I encourage you to read and study his message every day, just a little bit, 10 minutes, 15 minutes every day. Let that Bible scripture live through your life and work at your prayer life. I had a a teacher of mine say, don't try and make it a 45-minute prayer life. Start off with sips rather than gulps. Go to God in short prayer thanking him, acknowledging what he has done for you, asking for forgiveness, and then branch out into the fellowship and serving others. Serve God cheerfully with others and be be with others. So perhaps Charles Schultz envisioned the characters in the peanut strip as palm trees. I'm not sure because they did weather a lot of storms and it was for more than 50 years. As we search deep in our own individual places, where we face ourselves, maybe even those secret places we don't like to talk about, we know that our wonderful creator knows you and knows me better than I know myself. On October, in October 2016, I don't know if you remember the horrific fires that hit California. Uh, one of them actually destroyed the home of uh, Charles Schultz. He had passed away. Um, his wife was taken to safety But what was so miraculous, their house burned down, but there was a museum there for peanuts, and it was miraculously spared. And I think God has a few more messages from those beloved characters. On February 13th of 2000, the day following Charles Schultz's own death, his last ever peanut strip was published, the one that he had written. The strip began with Charlie Brown answering the phone, Someone on the other end was presumably asking for Snoopy because Charlie Brown responded, no, I think he's writing. And that's what the bird did. And so, and the dog. The bottom panel consisted of that final strip, which was a goodbye letter from Charles Schultz. He said, I've been fortunate to draw Charlie Brown and his friends for almost 50 years. It has been the fulfillment of my childhood ambition. I have been grateful over the years for the loyalty of our editors and the wonderful support and love expressed to me from the fans of the comic strip. Charlie Brown, Snoopy, Linus, Lucy, how can I ever forget them? Fittingly, Charlie Brown was the only character to appear in the first strip and the last strip. 
like this talented and insightful man who drew these lovable characters, who knew every hair on Linus's hair, wild hair, remember it was wild, every note that Schrader played on the piano, Lucy's harebrained ideas, and every good intention of Charlie Brown's heart. Our creator makes us as complete characters, uniquely made to be in relation with him. Our Father God who created our entire universe knows every hair on your head. He knows every one of your harebrained ideas and your uniqueness. More importantly, he never forgets us. He holds us more closely, more dearly than words can ever imagine. And God loves us so much that he gave the life of his own son, Jesus Christ, so that we might have that privilege of being in right standing with God. He did this so that we can participate in the life he designed for us, for which he uniquely made us. I will encourage you, make time to communicate with God daily. Make some time, carve it out. It's not going to come easy at first, but the more you do it, the more enriching it will be. Get to know God. Get to understand what he's telling you about your life. It can begin, like I said, with that 10 minutes of prayer and Bible study. Then just sit and listen. Be like a palm tree. Dig deep. Have that focus going up one, straight ahead and not out on the branches. God knows you, and he wants you to know him. Amen. For the hymn of invitation, number 19 in the P folder. And I would encourage you, if you are not connected with this church or this, this community, to seek out one of the members here and to um, talk with them, talk with them about your faith. But most importantly, if you've not known Jesus, if you've not asked him into your heart, it's, it's a very simple prayer. You just have to say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I accept you as the Savior in my life, and I want to live for you. I want to be like that palm tree and live for you. Amen. <laughs>